Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 and following. You have an outline in your bulletin, and I will follow the outline. At least that's what's on the notes, okay? Luke chapter 2, verse 8, from the NIV Bible. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And from the King James Bible, they were sore afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let me pray with you. God, it is my voice that's heard here in the auditorium and online. But it is your voice that everyone will remember when the service is over. So my prayer is that you would speak with your voice to those ears that are spiritual ears where we hear from him who only speaks to the Spirit. May we taste you and know that you are good. May we see you in ways we've never seen you before. The excitement of the chatter at the beginning of the service, anoint us now in this auditorium with your presence. In Christ's name, amen. What time is Christmas? Scientists tell us that the longest night of the year is December 21st. And this year, if you are watching right after the sunset, you can see what some are calling the Christmas star around 6 o'clock. 
two planets are coming together like they haven't come together in 800 years. That's what the news says. But the longest night of the year is December 21st, the winter solstice. But any kid, good to have the kids in the sanctuary, any any kid will tell you that the longest night of the year is December 24th. Isn't it? Waiting for Christmas. Waiting for Christmas morning. When you can open your presents. Let's do a little congregational survey. I like congregational surveys. How many of us, as, as you were raising your family, how many of you opened your presents on Christmas, Christmas morning? Christmas morning. Every, Christmas morning. Well, do we have any Christmas Eve people? Okay, a few Christmas Eve people. Christmas morning. That's good. And most of us have memories of when we raised our kids or when we were kids of opening up our presents And most of us have memories of having to wait. I know our grandkids have memories of having to wait because when the grandkids come over, we would always have a big dinner and then we would, after the dishes were all partly cleaned up, maybe all cleaned up, then we would open presents and they would come back to the kitchen and they would say, Grandma, can we open presents now? What time is Christmas? I'll never forget those conversations. What time is Christmas? The Bible says that everything that ever happens happens according to God's timing. God chooses for everything to happen when it happens. Nothing happens before his time. Nothing happens really after his time. Everything that happens is according to God's time, and he does have a timeline that he is following. And this won't go on forever as we now understand it. Someday, time as we know it will come to an end. But in this life in which you and I live now, it all unfolds by his time. And God specifically chose the time when Jesus would come to earth. And for those of you who want a real deep study, Galatians 4, 4, In the fullness of time, Christ came under the law, born of woman, and all that. Study that one in your small group. That will keep you going for a long time. But he had it all planned out. So to answer the question, what time is Christmas? I want us to look at the four statements that the angels said to the shepherds that very first Christmas night. Number one, you have an outline in your bulletin. Number one, Christmas is a time to release my fears. What do you worry about? What's your fearful of? And I've already said this before to this congregation. Of course, we live in a time that no one else has ever lived in. The pandemic, the political atmosphere, there's enough to worry about, isn't there? I worry about my kids, I worry about my grandkids, you worry about your health, you worry about your parents, you worry about your job. There's enough to worry about. You can worry about everything. And every once in a while we come across people who say, well, I'm just going to worry about everything. God be with you. That's not the way to live. But the first thing the angel said to the shepherds was, do not worry. Why? 
There are 365 do not worry, do not be afraid in the English Bible, one for every day. In almost all cases, when God appears to man on earth, when God pulls back that curtain that separates us from the spirit world and he shows up in person, either in person or with his angels, in almost all cases, man's first response is, I'm afraid. We are afraid of God. He knows all. He's the final authority. And when he pulls back that curtain, we wonder, wow, what's going to happen now? You remember the song, we've all heard this song, I Can Only Imagine, should have you sing it for us, Jim, right on the spur of the moment. No, that's not a good idea. huh? I can only imagine. We know all know it. We know it, we know it well. Mm-hmm. But there's a phrase in that song, I want to bring it to our attention. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Of course, the song takes place in heaven. But the shepherds were surrounded by God's glory on earth. What did their heart feel? Their heart felt fear. Fear. Some people are fearful of God because they think God is against them. In the role that, where God has placed me as pastor, this is not about norm, this is about the role that I, that I live in, the job that I have, if you want to put it that way. Sometimes people are fearful of the pastor. One of the phrases I, most, I say quite a bit is, uh, this is all good. What we're going to talk about, no, I want you to come to my office. And some people say, wow, i got to come to the pastor's office. It's like God's going to spank them. That is the farthest. I fought that for a long time. That is the farthest from any attitude I ever want to portray to anybody. But some people are fearful of God. They just really are. Let me say this to you. If you, fear, if you are fearful of God, you have the wrong image of God. You have the wrong information about God. Because God is for us. He's not against us. We should not fear God in any way. God's our friend. He's our partner. He likes us. He more than likes us. God loves us. For God so loved. God loves us. I have found it to be true that many people go through life exchanging one problem for another problem for another problem. It seems like their entire life is one problem after another problem, and they sometimes ask the question, where's God? God's got to be against me. If, you're, if that is your life, one problem after another problem after another problem, I say this to you. If you're watching online, if you're listening here in the sanctuary, God has been with you, hasn't he? He really has been with you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be to where you are today, here. He's walked beside you. He's been in you. He's helped you make the right decisions that have gotten you to this point. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. He's helped you deal with everything in the past. He's helped you deal with everything now. He'll help you deal with everything in the future. So I say to you, if your life is one problem after another after another, 
somewhere in this whole process of understanding God and knowing God, you have to come to the point where it says, I'm not going to fear anymore. Fear not, I am with you, says the Lord. What time is Christmas? It's time for us to set aside our fears. Number two in your outline. Christmas is a time of renewing our faith. When it comes time to open up the presents, the kids want toys. The teenagers want clothes. All the adults want is just everybody together and getting along. Isn't that true? In Luke chapter 2, verse 10 there that we read, I bring you the most joyful news ever. And it's for everyone. The angel says, I bring you good news. When God shows up, it's always good news. And it is for everyone. If you want to put an A, B, C, D in your outline there, I didn't do this, but I'll do this with A, B, C, D. What is the good news? A, you and I matter to God. You may think that you don't matter to God. You may think that you don't matter to anyone. Christmas says that you matter to God. He knows you. He knows the bad about you. He knows the ugly, ugly about you. And yet he says, I love you. You matter to me. Christmas, Jesus coming, we matter to God. B, the good news is that you and I are no accident. God says, I planned for you. Your parents may not have planned for you, but God planned for you. You are no accident. And God says, because I planned for you, I have a purpose for you. There is a purpose for you being here. There is not, you know what? You know what I find to be true, and others find this to be true too. There is not anything that will increase your self esteem. There is not anything that will make you feel any better about yourself in any way than understanding that God has a purpose for your life and you are going to do your best to find his will for your life and walk in his will. There isn't anything that elevates self-esteem higher than knowing God, knowing that I'm here because he planted me here, and I'm going to walk in his will. Now, in certain circles, I would ask for an amen, but I think this, this might be kind of a quiet crowd. There, the, the, thank, thank you, Jim. Thank you. There, there, there is, uh, I don't know how to say this. I, I, I like you guys. We're getting to know one another, okay? And it's okay to talk back every once in a while. You get what I'm saying? So it's okay to say amen. It's okay to applaud. It, it's, it's okay. You don't have to just sit there and uh, soak it all in, okay? C. The good news is that God wants to, God wants you to know him the same way that he knows you. God knows everything about all of us. And he says, I want you to know me the same way that I know you. Jesus Christ came so that we would get to know what God is like. God wants to talk to us. God wants to communicate with us. He wants to have communion with us. He wants to have fellowship with us. Then D, and if you'd fallen in your outline there, the good news is this. The good news is for everybody. Follow along with me here for a moment. Before this first Christmas, 
the good news only went to the Jews, and the Jews were asked to share the good news with everybody else, but the Jews didn't share the good news with everybody else. So when it was time for this first Christmas, right from the very beginning, in the birth announcement, God says the good news is for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for the whole world. Red and yellow, brown, black, and white. It's for everybody. You may be a Baptist or a Buddhist. The good news is for you. You may be a Lutheran or a lunatic. The good news is for you. I've read put one in about the missionary, shouldn't I? You may be a missionary or a mishap. The good news is for you. You may be a Nazarene or a nobody, but the good news is still for you. The good news is for everybody. Everybody. That God will that anyone would perish. In your outline, number three. Christmas time is the time to receive forgiveness. The angel said, Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born. God comes as a Savior. Follow along with me here for a while. God did not come as a salesman because we didn't need someone to sell us something more. He came as a Savior. God did not come as a politician because we don't need bigger government and more politicians. He came as a Savior. He did not come as a soldier. We don't need to fight another war. He came as a savior. He didn't come as a scientist to make some new discovery. He came as a savior. I could go on and on with that list, couldn't we? He came as a savior. Why do you and I need a savior? Because heaven is perfect. And the only people that get into heaven are people that have been made perfect. There's no sin in heaven. There's no suffering in heaven. There's no sorrow in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. Heaven is perfect. And only perfect people get in there. And obviously, if someone that wasn't perfect got into heaven, then it wouldn't be heaven anymore because it wouldn't be perfect. Now, none of us are perfect. The person sitting next to you is not perfect. Isn't that true? People in the back row are not perfect. I'm just going to look at you back there. People in the back row aren't perfect. People in the front row aren't perfect. The people in between the front row and the back row aren't perfect. There's There's nobody perfect. The people listening in Florida aren't perfect. The people listening in the eastern part of the state, they're not perfect. Not not at all. There is no one righteous. No, not one. And we don't have a chance of getting into heaven on our own merit. And some will say, well, you know what? I'm good. Doesn't God accept good people into heaven? But here's the question. How good is good enough? God does not grade on the curve. And if Mother Teresa and Billy Graham thought that they needed a Savior... How good do you think you need to be? How good is good enough? 
What's your chances of getting into heaven on your goodness? There's zero chance. So we have a problem. Heaven is perfect. You and I are not perfect. And God says, I have the answer to man's problem. I will send a Savior. So Jesus comes, and he lives a perfect life. Tempted in every way like you and I are, and yet without sin. How does someone do that? I don't make it through the day. I don't make it through the hour. Mm -hmm. How can someone be tempted in every way like you and I are? And you know, it's not just one little temptation, but all the temptations that you and I face in life, all the temptations I have faced in life, all the temptations that you have faced in life, your entire life, all those temptations, for everyone in the entire world, all those temptations were in Christ's life. But yet he never said yes to any temptation, never gave in to it. How can someone do that? And he lived among us, he lived that perfect life, And then he died for our sins and rose again. That was proof that God accepted the sacrifice. He died for our sins. And why did he have to die? Because all sin requires death in God's perfect universe. The wages of sin is death. But in God's plan, he says this. Instead of everyone dying for their own sin, I will have Jesus die for everyone's sin incomprehensible plan. Instead of everyone dying for their own sin, I will have Jesus die with his perfect life for everyone's sin. And all you and I have to do is accept the fact that his death on the cross was was our substitute. He died for our sin. And all he asks you to do is to accept him And then out of thankfulness because of what he's done for you, live a life that is pleasing to him. So how do I get Jesus to save me? I admit that I'm not good enough. But you know, there's a lot of us who have pride. And we like to think how good we really are. And there are some people who are going to get to the judgment and they're going to tell God all that they have done. My heart goes out to them. They got it backwards. And we all like to think, look what we've done. Surely God would take that into account. He says to us, swallow your pride. Swallow your pride and say, God, I need help. I need help. One thing a lifeguard knows is that he cannot save anybody who's trying to save themselves. You ever watch a professional lifeguard at the beach when someone is drowning out there in the ocean, in the lake? The lifeguard simply swims out to the one that is drowning and treads water until the one that is drowning gives up and goes limp. And when that person gives up and goes limp, 
the lifeguard can grab a hold of him, turn him over, and bring him back and swim him back to shore. As long as they're trying to save themselves, the lifeguard can do nothing for them. God cannot save you as long as you're trying to save yourself. You cannot have Christ as your Savior as long as you're trying to get to heaven on your good works. What time is Christmas? It's time to have your sins forgiven by God himself. Number four on your outline. Christmas is a time to rebuild relationships. God not only wants you to have peace with him, but he wants you to have peace with everybody else, too. There's a Peanuts cartoon that goes like this. Lucy says to Charlie Brown, It's Christmas. It's the Christmas season. I think we ought to bury our differences and forgive each other and try to get along. And Charlie Brown says, great, but why just this season? To which Lucy responds, what do you think I am, some sort of fanatic? For a lot of families, the holiday season is a time of conflict. This is sad, but this is true. You're forced to see relatives you do not particularly like. The relationship You've talked about these relatives in your home for the entire year. And now you're going to go to family Christmas, and it's just going to be confirmed again, the same thing that you've always thought about, this relative. That they just, the elevator just isn't working in their life, you know? Grudges, jealousy. It's time to make peace this Christmas. It's time to make peace. And for those of you who are watching online, if you've gotten to this point and stayed with us, is God saying to you, don't waste another Christmas? It's time to rebuild relationships with your family, with former friends, Someone you haven't seen in a long time? What time is Christmas? It's time to restore the relationship. Rebuild the relationship. What time is Christmas? It's time to seek God's forgiveness. It's time to renew your faith. It's time to set aside your fears. Let me close a little different than what we sometimes do. I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads, close our eyes. No one's looking around. You just do your work with God now. Do your work with God. And if you would like to talk with me or Pastor Greg, contact us this week. I'm going to put it on you to contact us. And we'll get together as soon as we can.
We love Christmas, God. That's how you made us. Thank you for coming for the first Christmas. In Christ's name, amen.